Welcome to Resilience in You with Beth Page. It's thought that challenges and uncertainty make us the people we are today. Where success comes in is how resilient we are in the face of adversity. Being resilient means taking a break, creating a sense of calm in our storm. You start today. Here's your host, Beth Page. Hello, fabulous humans. It's Monday. Welcome to Resilience in You. I'm Beth Page. I am delighted that you're joining us today. I uh, continue to reflect on the possibility. What if today is the perfect day to cultivate your resilience? It's Monday. It's the beginning of the week. And I am calling in from the traditional ancestral territories of the Halat, Penelicate, and Stuminas families who stewarded these lands for centuries. I'm grateful today to be joined by uh, my friend and colleague, Tira Fraser. Tira is the founder of Esquire. She is a colleague that I have the pleasure of sharing space with. She is a warrior. She is a human who makes me better. Welcome, Tira. And what would you like to bring into this space today as you introduce yourself uh, on this fabulous Monday? Thank you, Beth. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm so excited to, I'm always excited to spend time with you uh, every chance that that we get. And uh, today is quite a unique day for me to talk about resilience. So I am um, going to be both surprised and delighted what emerges from our beautiful conversation today. Well, so, um, so, I suppose um, I'll position myself uh, in our conversation before before we get started. And um, uh, my name is Tira, Johnny Jean Fraser. And that might even be a piece of resilience all on its own. My middle name is Johnny Jean. And um, I always, oh my goodness, I growing up, I didn't like my name. I was like, what were my parents thinking calling me Johnny Jean? Uh, as my middle name. So it never appeared anywhere. It's actually still not on my passport. And when I was 30 years old uh, and I got my pilot's license, I was like, you know what? I kind of like my name. But um, the point that I want to make there is I'm a Métis woman and I'm a mixed heritage woman, uh, Métis on my father's side. And um, my Fraser family is um, been rooted in the homelands of Fort Chippewan for many generations and uh, the Red River before that. And I was born in Hay River, Northwest Territories. And um, I'm a mother, I'm an academic now. I get to be an academic alongside you. I never thought in my wildest dreams I would be an academic. I'm an entrepreneur. I have a couple of different uh, businesses. Uh, I'm uh, a mother. I'm an unlearner, uh, especially from my daughter, Kiana, uh, who you were also uh, blessed to know. And uh, I'm joining you here today uh, from my home office and very um, privileged and grateful to be on the unceded, uh, traditional, sacred, and continually occupied territories of the uh, Suwasan and the Musqueam peoples. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm delighted to have you here. I am... Um actually myself this morning, knowing that uh, we were uh, going to be spending some time together, 
was out uh, with my bare feet planted on the ground and on the earth and mm. just really receiving the gratitude of um, this sunshiny morning and the opportunity for the two of us to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know one of the things that you uh, love bringing into uh, conversation is a little bit of poetry. And uh, do we want to start with a poem this morning? Sure, I would love that. Um, and thank you for sharing that. You know, your your feet on the on the earth, the land, the land uh, holds us and teaches us and reminds us and grounds us and loves us and uh, holds us. Mm-hmm. Uh, this poem. I'm so grateful for. Um, it is by an incredible um, human, Nicole Nies Nash. And uh, a year ago, I started reading this poem, and I've been bringing it into almost everything that I do because uh, it's just become such a grounding, powerful poem. So thank you for inviting me to share it. This poem is called As We Always Have. It's by Nicole Nies Nash. And she's from the Constance Lake First Nation. And Nicole Anise Nash says this. She says, We exist not in the shadows of the unknown, but in the light of the possible. We flow, leaving parts of ourselves in the emptiness, but we are not the vessel. We are the spaces between. We are the rivers. We overflow until there is no telling where one of us ends and another begins. We are water, we are movement, we are together, collective and whole. We fit into roles that do not define us. We know ourselves. We are more, we are earth, we are stars. We cannot be proven or erased, we just are and always will be. That's the poem, As We Always Have, by Nicole Anise Nash. So powerful. And there, you could unpack any line mm. in that um, poem uh, and uh, have, a, have a much, uh, a very engaged conversation. Uh, it would be its own book club. Uh, yes. All by itself. Yes, and speaking of the book, um, this poem is found in my book, Three Sisters Soup for the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Love it. And thank you for that. Um, for our listeners who uh, may well be saying to themselves, I want more poetry like that to inspire mm-hmm. me as I begin each day. And as, uh, uh, as we um, anchor ourselves into that poem and contemplate this topic of resilience, What's a story of resilience that uh, you could bring forward today uh, in service of, of opening some, some windows of insight and reflection for our listeners? Hmm. Uh, I can. I, I can think of a few different stories. And some other thoughts that come to mind when you ask me that, that question, Beth, are how I'm very much in my own complex relationship with resilience. I think about resilience differently each day. I define it differently all the time. I experience it differently all the time. I witness it in others in so many unique and diverse ways. 
Um, and some of the uh, stories of my own resilience, I even question whether, whether, whether that even is resilience. So I, I come to this conversation uh, with you and your listeners as, uh, as a learner and uh, with many of my own questions about what it means to uh, cultivate uh, resilience and how we do that individually and how we do that uh, collectively. So um, I'll, I'll tell you um, a story about a girl. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you about my journey in uh, flight, my journey to actually embracing my middle name, uh, Johnny Jean. And um, when I was uh, 30 years old, uh, I was working um, entry-level jobs. I was a single mom with two kids. Um, and I had, um, you know, parents uh, that I, uh, uh, I didn't have. A, and resilience and grief, there's also something really interconnected with resilience and grief. Yeah. But... Um, so my dad passed away when I was three and a half and uh, my mom suffered with, with illness. And so uh, kind of all, all, all of these things together, I didn't have uh, any post-secondary education and I had never been anywhere. I'd never done anything. And uh, es especially over this last week, um, I can tell you that you and you and your listeners are getting me at a very um, uh, bit of a vulnerable raw time. Um, so I'm probably going to end up saying um, more than I wish I had. And that'll also just be just right. But um, um, I, there was a, there was a, there was a song, it was a Tracy Chapman song. And uh, I've been playing it a lot this week, but the lyrics of the song um, were, I'm kind of going back just a little bit to um, just the end of my teenage years. And the, and the, and the song said, um, leave tonight. I lived in a small town where there's lots of bad things happening. And uh, the song said, uh, leave tonight or, or, or live and die this way. Mm -hmm. And leave tonight um, because I have a sense that I can be someone, that I can be someone, that I can be someone. And so I left this small town and uh, came to the big city in, in Vancouver and uh, started, a, um, started a, a, a life here to try and I just, you know, you have that sense there's in our bodies, there's so much um, collective and ancestral wisdom and that I just have a sense that I'm meant to do something. And there's a, there's a, a something that I'm meant to do in my life. And so, um, but again, um, no education, working entry-level jobs, and when I was 30 years old um, with my two small kids, I thought, you know, what's next? What's more? And what do I want to, most importantly, what do I want to show my children? What do I want to teach my children by what I do and how I show up in the world and, and the choices that I make? So, you know, I sat cross-legged in the chapters bookstore in the, in the wellness section and, you know, looking up at all the books. <laughs> trying to find that this thing that we're talking about that we're that we're naming resilience right to try and find it to try and uh, cultivate it and uh, as I sat there I opened a book and uh, some of the wise advice out of the book was write yourself a bucket list so I, I wrote myself a uh, bucket list 
And on the top of the bucket list, I said I wanted to go to Africa and I want to see the zebras and I want to see the giraffes and I want to see the hippos and I wanted to experience um, Africa. I'd never been anywhere. Yeah. And so anywhere. And so I saved and I saved and I saved. Uh, this was when we still had travel agents. So every payday on my, you know, meager little pay, I would go and, and put down some money. And, uh, and then a year later, all this time later, all this saving, I made this thing possible mm-hmm. that I didn't think was going to be possible. You know, there's something in resilience around uh, possibility mm-hmm. uh, that I continue to explore. So it was time to go to Africa and uh, um, we were set to leave on, well, I was set to leave on October 22nd, leaving my two small kids at home. This was the October that followed 9-11. Oh my. I had my big yellow backpack and this crushing um, feeling of uh, that thing that you made possible just isn't possible for someone like you. And it's just, and so against the advice of my aunties, and you don't go against the advice of your aunties, um, I went anyways. And uh, while I was there, I was in a small plane for the first time. And uh, I, the, the pilot was banking the aircraft and showing us the animals and showing us the flora and flora, telling us stories of the land, really witnessing the land from the air like a bird would. I got down from that flight and I said, um, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to fly airplanes like that guy does. Two days later, I was like, let's review. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're a single mom, two kids. You have no access to money or resources. You have no education. The industry is in a complete, um, utter shambles. And this is just not possible for someone like you. And I thought but. I got here to Africa, that thing that I thought was impossible for someone like me. Mm -hmm. So if I can make that possible, maybe I can make this possible too. I returned to Canada and I started uh, flight training. And within a year, I had a commercial pilot's license in hand and I made that thing possible too. Mm -hmm. Each time I made something possible that I didn't think was possible, each time I dreamt I dreamed of something bigger and stretched myself into that dream. In that space, in that sacred space, grew um, uh, even increased uh, belief in what was possible and increased uh, trust in myself to be able to do it. And most importantly, um, witnessing and seeing that entire communities come together and surround you and uplift you mm-hmm. when you have a dream. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what comes to my mind when you ask me about a story of resilience today. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm uh, this, this whole conversation of taking what seems impossible, making it possible um, and, and, unfolding what happens for us in resilience that can come from grief, that can come from possibility. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break and return and pick up the thread of Tira, the commercial licensed pilot. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Off we go for a quick break. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Dreamcatcher Consulting, Beth Page helps her clients assess and build resilience initiatives that support and strengthen resilience. Visit dreamcatcher-consulting.com for more information about the Resilience at Work assessment for teams, leaders, and individuals in a company environment. Beth is an accredited Resilience at Work consultant in North America who works with clients from all over the world. Find your resilience. Reach out to Beth now at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. Check out and order the second edition of Change Happens. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Resilience in You with Beth Page. We invite you to send questions or comments about the show via email to beth at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. That's beth at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. Now back to Resilience in You. Welcome back. I'm with uh, my special guest, Tara Fraser. Uh, and uh, we went to break uh, and Tara has her commercial uh, license as an airline pilot, and so we'll pick up the story there. Uh, so, so we have a commercial airline pilot, and now we have the owner of Esquio Air, an airline uh, that uh, again is cycling through some significant flux uh, in uh, in the airline sector. Uh, and so, talk talk to me a little bit about the story of Esquio Air. Mm-hmm. I, I will. Thank you for that. Uh, 
I mean, part of it comes from there's like a lot, there's a big fast forward in there from getting my commercial pilot's license to, um, to starting a Squeo Air. And, um, and there was lots of pieces in there that, of course, make that possible. And also lots of, as we discussed uh, uh, just before, you know, also lots of uh, grief and also lots of trauma and also lots of possibility and also lots of community um, that um, allowed me to keep moving on, on my journey. I started an aerial survey company, Kisik Aerial Survey, and, uh, uh, and also started... Um, my education at Royal Roads University. I have a thing about starting a degree and a business at the same time. Uh, and when I sold Kisik Aerial Survey, I thought, oh, maybe it's time to, to hang up my wings. When literally getting my wings, that earlier story that I shared about getting my pilot's license and getting my wings literally gave me wings for everything else in my life. And I thought, you know, I'm doing some great work in... Um, in leadership development with my business, the Raven Institute, and maybe it's time to, to hang up my wings. But um, I couldn't let go, right? And there's also something in resilience about letting go. I Maybe we'll have time to tell a ma- yeah. ma- maple tree story. But I'm like, okay, um, this is about I, I need to let go, and I couldn't let go. So I thought, well, what do I need to do? Well, how about a letting go ceremony? Mm-hmm. So in my mind, in my body, just with myself, with all the whole parts of myself, having a letting go ceremony. So going into each part of my journey with my wings and remembering, honoring, and letting go. Mm-hmm. So that, that first trip, remembering, honoring, letting go. My first solo, which I can tell you no pilot will ever forget that first time mm-hmm. that they say cleared for takeoff and you look and there's like nobody beside mm-hmm. you, right? Remember, honor, and let go. My first job. <clears throat> and then I got to this point where in my letting go ceremony where I was like, oh, remember that time that you were going to start a small um, air service out of Vancouver, connecting travelers with uh, Indigenous communities and communities without throughout British Columbia, and really connecting people with each other, with a transformative experience, and connecting them um, with the land. At the same time, while contributing to, for those communities that wanted it, um, contributing to the elevation of language and culture uh, and prosperity through uh, Indigenous uh, tourism. So in my letting go ceremony, I was like, oh, darn, I guess I'm not going to get to do that thing. So my letting go ceremony very promptly turned into a start a business ceremony. Mm -hmm. I came came home that night and uh, I named it I incorporated it online. I secured a domain site and Esqueo Air was born. I named uh, the airline Esqueo Air as an act of reclamation, Mm -hmm. reclamation of womanhood, very male dominated industry. And I hope I get a chance to tell you how we have the opportunity to shift and change that right now as we rebuild. So I named the airline Esqueo Air as an act of reclamation, reclamation of womanhood, reclamation of matriarchal leadership, 
and reclamation of language. And Escuelo Air was born. It takes a long time to get something like this up and going on its feet. Uh, merely days after I bought the aircraft, which you have to do before you can even begin the regulatory process, um, I asked the Musqueam peoples um, where YVR sits uh, for their blessing, for their blessing to do business on their territory. And we had a blessing in the um, in a ceremony, a ceremony with the peoples where where um, uh, where where they said, "Yes, you have our blessing to do business here," and it was important to demonstrate um, outwardly why those kinds of protocols are, are important, invite others into uh, thinking about how they can step into such honoring protocols of land. And so um, here we are, we have Escuelo Air, and uh, then we're, we're just getting rocking and rolling, we're just getting moving, and we have uh, COVID-19. And uh, needless to say that aviation and uh, tourism are amongst the hardest hit, if not the hardest hit uh, industries uh, in uh, worldwide. And in particular in Canada, different countries are having different responses to uh, the importance of the aviation infrastructure. Many people think that aviation is, you know, a, um, an, um, uh, a pineapple juice with an umbrella um, on, a, on a sunny beach and that that's what airplanes are for. Uh, our, AV, our entire aviation infrastructure moves goods, people's services, allows people to connect with the uh, urgent medical uh, care that they need. So in, in COVID, uh, we continue to operate throughout uh, although, you know, at, you know, at one point there was close to a 97% uh, decline in air travel. That's varied, of course, as the industry responds to different parts of, um, and, you know, this talk about emergent and dynamic, um, this uh, pandemic is. So responding in such ways. And, and then we uh, created an airlift campaign. Uh, which was envisioned um, by my CEO, Sisterhood, which uh, I hope we get a chance to talk about. And we started an airlift campaign to raise funds and bring essential goods and services into Indigenous communities uh, throughout uh, BC. And then really uh, took a moment to think about um, this pandemic has invited us all to rethink a lot of things. Who, who do we want to be in the future and how can we walk more softly on the on the earth in the future. And um, so we have strengthened and accelerated um, the timeline of our commitment to a more sustainable aviation future. Mm -hmm. And do you wanna talk a little bit about the Love and Lift campaign? Um, you know, there were some um, fabulous interactions uh, uh, that were facilitated that I saw you commenting on uh, as a result of, of making these trips to bring those much needed, much um, appreciated goods uh, to remote areas that wouldn't otherwise have them. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mentioned that um, the idea came from the CEO Sisterhood and uh, we're very much the... Uh, essence 
of everything in this community is how do we show up with radical generosity? What is the radically generous thing to do? How do we uh, uplift uh, one another? At the same time, on uh, February 17th, we, in relationship with um, CEO, we started um, the Lift Circle, uh, bringing Indigenous women entrepreneurs uh, together. We've since hosted, um, uh, I think now over 70 circles since February 17th last year. And so um, connecting the uh, resources uh, from Indigenous women entrepreneurs and the goods from Indigenous women entrepreneurs and um, being very mindful to um, only uh, offer our, uh, our, our love and lift into a community where we've been invited in to never uh, make assumptions about a, what a community needs and only simply ask if, is there a little love and lift we can bring to your community? And if so, what would, what would be in service of your, of, of your community? And, um, and then just working together with everyone to say, who, um, who has something to offer and who has something that they need? That's, that's the, um, that's what reciprocity is. Yeah. Um, and reciprocity is how we build resilience because we can't be resilient in every moment. Our resilience and our capacity for resilience or the way resilience looks changes in every moment. But when we build communities of reciprocity, mm-hmm. that is where we have resilience. When we um, have a week um, or a few days like I've had this week where you need others to um, pick you up mm-hmm. <laughs> off the linoleum mm-hmm. and say you're going to be okay, it's all right. Um, and other days when you're doing that uh, uh for others, it's the connection, it's the reciprocity, it's the uplifting, it's um, coming um, from an abundance mindset to say, okay, what if what if we have everything we need and we simply need to be in connection with one another to figure out how to distribute those resources and those nutrients, as my beautiful friend B would say, how do we just get the resources, the nutrients where yeah. they need to, where they need to where they need to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, so many lessons uh, learned at a very young age about sharing uh, that could be of such service to us in these days. Mm. Uh, and as you uh, talk about love and lift, uh, I, uh, I'm wondering if I might invite you to share uh, the love button story. Oh, Sure, I would love. I would love to. Uh, so, when I began um, my journey uh, to at Royal Roads University, I started a uh, master's degree program there in 2010. And um, when I arrived for the first on-campus intensive feeling overwhelmed and like, how did I even get here? And how did they let me in? And all those things that um, rob us of our resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, we were asked to do an exercise and the invitation was, we were each given a post-it note and we were asked to write 
in a big Sharpie on the post-it note, one word that reflected the gift that we were bringing to the program. And, um, you know, we, we spend so much time in our cognitive wisdom Mm-hmm. And uh, there are moments where your collective ancestral and your somatic wisdom, the wisdom in your body says, yeah, no, I got more to say than you do. Uh, and it's important. You have to listen because mm-hmm. I wanted to write love on the post-it note. And I'm having this huge argument with my own self, all the different wonderful important whole parts of myself, the mind saying, don't you dare write love on that post-it note. <laughs> You're in a room full of of really smart, successful people, and you are um, in a a university that you never imagined yourself would ever be in, and um, that just doesn't belong. You have to figure out something else to write on the post-it note. But all my other wisdoms were like, no, you have to write, love is what you have to write on, because that is the gift that you're bringing to the program, is you're bringing a, 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 a your whole heart, you're bringing your open heart. And um, so I didn't write love on the post-it note, but I sure learned a lot from that. Who knows what I wrote on the post-it note because it wasn't the thing that I was bringing. Yeah. So since that time, um, I've learned to appreciate uh, myself um, and I've learned to appreciate that what I bring um, is different. There was 45 other people in that program that had a very unique gift that they were bringing that was just as precious and just as amazing and unique uh, mm-hmm. from each of the other incredible humans. And so um, since then, I write love on the post-it note. Um, I try my very best uh, to bring um, my, my gifts and my authentic self even sometimes when they're misunderstood uh, by others. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started my airline, uh, we were having a big, oh, the blessing ceremony I was telling you about earlier. Yeah. And we did get actually a, quite a bit of media attention for the blessing ceremony. It created a bit of problems because people don't understand what a blessing ceremony is. So they thought it was a launch um, and that we were like ready to go and operating, which we were most certainly not. Um, that was a while to come, but um, I had big five foot love balls. Love is one of the values of Esquio Air. And I had a big bowl full of love buttons. Um, and I had some very good advice. It was fantastic and excellent advice. Let yeah. me be very clear about this. Good advice um, for 99.999% of the people that write it. For me, um, uh, and, and the advice was, you know, you're starting an airline you know, you really need to um, present as a strong businesswoman. This idea that we have that that same idea in that classroom that that um, business and leadership looks a certain way. And so she's like, the love balls, they, they have to go. And I thought about it um, because it was good advice and I knew it was good advice. And I said, Tira, you're going to have to love write love on the post-it note. And so the love balls stayed. And my best... Uh, favorite moment from that very huge day was looking up when I shared a few words and everybody had picked up a button out of the bowl. There had been no words spoken about it and people were wearing a love button. I wear my love button many places. You'll see in many pictures um, I have have my love button on because love does belong. 
Love yeah. belongs everywhere that humans do. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll connect this with resilience because when we, when we try to say that love and humanity and connection for one another doesn't belong somewhere, how can we, how can we possibly, how can we possibly thrive? When we say, you know, a world without love, a business without love, a, um, a, an academic institution without love is just a mechanical system that is not built for humans. And if anything is showing us right now that the systems that we've built are not for humans, like we're going to keep getting the lesson till we get it. And uh, so love belongs in leadership. It belongs in business and it belongs every single place where humans are. And it is normalizing that, normalizing col- col- uh, normalizing practices of collective belonging that will strengthen and increase um, resilience for ourselves, for each other, for the world and for all of our relatives. And so um, it's, uh, so let's just write love on the post-it note. Let's do that. And we'll pick this conversation up after a quick break. Looking forward to continuing the conversation with Tira Fraser uh, as we connect love, business, resilience, and possibility. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Dreamcatcher Consulting, Beth Page helps her clients assess and build resilience initiatives that support and strengthen resilience. Visit dreamcatcher-consulting.com for more information about the Resilience at Work assessment for teams, leaders, and individuals in a company environment. Beth is an accredited Resilience at Work consultant in North America who works with clients from all over the world. Find your resilience. Reach out to Beth now at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. Check out and order the second edition of Change Happens. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Resilience in You with Beth Page. 
We invite you to send questions or comments about the show via email to beth at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. That's beth at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. Now back to Resilience and You. So I'm back with my uh, special guest and friend, Tira Fraser. And uh, last week was a big week for putting love on the post-it note and celebrating uh, your continued perseverance uh, in the airline sector with all that's going on. Uh, And why don't we talk a little bit about that? Because last week was a big week for you and Esquareware. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a very big week. We made a, uh, oh, it's a huge week. I can't even tell you all the things that happened in one week. Um, on Monday, uh, March 8th, um, we were named a CEO venture. And for any of you that don't know uh, about CEO, uh, CEO.world, it's amazing. I hope we get a chance to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically an entire community um, coming together to say, um, uh, we're working on the world's to-do list together and we are disrupting systems and um, we are uh, in support of, of, of your business Esquio Air. And part of the reason for that is um, when I said that we accelerated our timeline around uh, uh, sustainability, we've very much done that. And on Thursday, we made two big announcements one that um, we're starting a uh, woman-led division of our um, uh, our air- aircraft maintenance division. And uh, we're certified just the day before by Transport Canada to both fix our own planes as, as well as others, led by um, uh, an incredible woman, Alicia Sopal. And 2.8% of uh, aircraft maintenance engineers in Canada are women. Uh, and uh, approximately half a percent are, are women of color and, and those numbers are probably fairly similar uh, worldwide and, and globally. So, uh, and this is all in service of uh, Escoyo Air's vision. We see ourselves very much now as the bridge between traditional air transportation and the sustainable, uh, equitable and resilient transportation uh, system of, of the future. Right now, aviation uh, is so impacted and uh, is like, you want to talk hashtag disrupt. And this is the time where we can completely reimagine, rematriate and rebuild an air transportation system where everyone belongs, mm-hmm. where everyone is, is served. And we are out of this world excited about um, being a part of that uh, collective restoration. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we talk about collective restoration, we're also talking about advanced air mobility. Yes. So advanced, when I talk about uh, the sustainable um, aviation of the future, that is uh, advanced air mobility, which is um, using advanced uh, technology for aircrafts. Um, most people connect with this. Just imagine the Jetsons. Um, uh, you know, it goes far beyond this with technology, but we've come, it's, it's happening. It's here. 
Mm -hmm. uh, most people are unaware of how far this technology has come. Big thanks to the RPAS, the Remote Piloted Aircraft System or Drone uh, Industry. Together with the car manufacturers and the aviation industries, uh, this uh, technology has moved. Um, I mean, these are my own, this is my own thinking, but I, I feel like it's moved a decade in the yeah. last year. And um, we have an opportunity to, um, to create a transportation system that um, is safer, that is more equitable, that uses less land. And um, we're so excited to be part of that. We are one of 17, uh, Escuelo Air is one of 17 founding members of CAM, the Canadian Advanced Air Mobility uh, Consortium which now has 60 members and it's working together. It's working collectively. It's working collaboratively that makes this thing possible, mm -hmm. right? When everyone's off in their own corner trying to do something, uh, it, it doesn't work the same, but right now it's this synergistic, incredible group of people that um, see a vision and are really working uh, together to, um, um, to arrive there, but also ensuring that we're taking care of, of, of the people and all our relations as we, as, mm -hmm. as we move along. It's beautiful to be part of. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, as someone who has, uh, has the, the pleasure and privilege of knowing you, um, working collaboratively has been a theme of certainly our conversations and uh, you opened this uh, uh, segment of the program by talking about CEO and, um, and that organization's working on the world's to-do list. Mm -hmm. And so um, you were talking about the radical generosity and, uh, and the collaboration that exists within CEO. So talk a little bit about... You know, we're yes, we've got this advanced uh, uh, technology coming into play uh, with advanced air mobility. Um, we've got Esquio Air um, as a as a as a named venture by CEO for this coming year. So, what does that mean for you and Esquio Air? Mm -hmm. Well, as I mentioned, you know, it's almost every question has the same answer, right? It's it lies in possibility and it lies in community. So again, when people are coming together, working together, uplifting each other, like that, that, that is where like my hand motions just want to go like this, like moving everything out of the way. When we, when we, when our body has something to say that's beyond our words, it's because it's big, right? So my hands just want to like, things just move out of the way. This essence of radical generosity, this idea of disrupting systems, this idea of hashtag rematriate, um, uh, you know, women make 60 to 80% of uh, purchasing decisions and receive less than 3% of venture capital. Which so, is, uh, that is, that's a number we need to That's shift. right. And so what, um, what I experience in SHEO is a community so strong, so generous that we can find everything that we need um, in our community, and we can start funding ourselves and breaking out of the systems um, of uh, oppression and ensuring that uh, we're, we're working alongside one another 
we are, you know, my, where you're, where you, where your heart is, is light and, and, and giving, where you ask for what you need and offer what you can. This is a mindset of abundance to say, we, we have everything that we need. And um, if we, if we simply work in community with one another, if I have to give, then let me give. And if I need something, then let me ask for what I need so people know what I need and can offer it. And it's through that that we build community, that we build resilience. And um, I'm so proud Shio was started here in um, in Canada mm-hmm. and is now in uh, several other countries. And yes, we are asked to think about like how are we working on the world's to-do list? How are we making the world a better place through our ventures, through our ideas, through our innovations? And then let's get, let's everyone um, get alongside and uplift uh, those that are working on the world's to-do list to make the world a better place um, for our future generations. That's our responsibility. (laughs) I love it. And if we, uh, you know, I know our colleague Cheryl, who uh, will often uh, say, "What is what is your, what does your past self want your future self to know about you and the possibility for yourself?" And when you look back, uh, you know, our, our listeners uh, may well be uh, the human that you were sitting in chapters, looking up at the bookshelves at some mm-hmm. point in their own journey, and what guidance or advice would you have given yourself back then as you look at last week uh, at these opportunities and possibilities to work on the world's to-do list? What's the reminder that you would have wished you or someone else would have offered that? Oh, well, I have to remind myself regularly. (laughs) So it's not just a something in the past, but um, what I do is – remind myself um, that I can trust myself, Mm -hmm. remind myself uh, that I am loved and that I'm lovable and that I love myself. Um, For me, uh, connecting with with who I am, connecting with my roots and uh, that journey of, of, of who I am and where I come from helps me to make sense of myself. And uh, community is such a, a, a huge part of it. For me, I think about um, uh, when I'm feeling like I need to pull on or draw on some resilience, I think about uh, this tomato plant. This tomato plant, um, way over on one side of my house, I have some tomato plants planted. Now, I'm a, I w- this was a couple of years ago and I was just, just, I was just starting on the gardening right? Just, you know, kind of figuring that out and, and uh, planting my garden. So somehow a tomato seed made it from all the way on one side of my house over to the driveway. And it planted itself in the little tiny crack of the concrete uh, right in front of my stairs. And the next year, that little tiny tomato seed grew into a tomato plant And when I say a little tiny crack, it was tiny. This huge tomato plant that gave us probably 50 or 60 tomatoes grew out of this little tiny crack in the concrete. And uh, this week, I thought about that tomato plant 
and thought about how even in the most difficult of conditions, even in the most unlikely of scenarios, we can reach our roots down deep Mm -hmm. to where connection is, to where nutrients are, to where water is. We can reach up to the sunshine and we can have it um, nourish us and um, oh, and then I suppose the last thing that uh, I, I reach for uh, in my resilience is um, the work that I'm doing with my PhD, um, mm-hmm. which is um, a concept of warriorship um, that I define. I define warriorship as standing fiercely with deep love for what matters. So when we need to reach for our resilience and our resourcefulness, when we need to cultivate, when we need to be that tomato plant, really getting clear, okay, how do I stand with deep love for what matters? What matters? How am I going to um, uh, stand fiercely? How am I going to stay uh, connected with deep love? Who and who am I? In all of in all of that, and and then most importantly, I ask myself lots of reflective questions, and so it's not just about our own uh, resilience. And this is part of what I would tell my 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 earlier self. And maybe this is maybe these build in tandem with one another. Maybe they come at different times, but also now being very mindful about how am I cultivating gardens of resilience around me. Uh, how am I cultivating um, the, all those nutrients and that sunshine uh, for others? How am I how am I contributing to the resilience of others? And how am I noticing when um, when I have to offer mm-hmm. and where others need some uplifting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we. Um bring today to a close deep gratitude to you Tira for joining us Uh, and I'm inviting the listeners to let the words standing fiercely with love for what matters resonate for you and settle into your being as you contemplate what's one wise action that's going to support you and your resilience this week I'm Beth Page Conversation doesn't have to end here. Feel free to connect on Facebook and let's continue the conversation. Uh, Thanks again, Tira, for joining us today. That hour went by quickly. Very quickly. It was wonderful. Join us again. Thank you for tuning in to Resilience and You. Please join your host, Beth Page, again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, if you find that you're facing some personal stress, try to find your calm. Be resilient. 